Welcome to the Vineyard Church Message of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information on this podcast or other resources, go to vineyardlive.us. To learn more about us, go to thevineyardchurch.us. ethereal. So interesting, right? A couple of years ago, I was on a ministry road trip. You guys remember road trips? You remember those days we used to like get in a car and go somewhere, see something new, just to like see something new? They'll come back. Someday they'll come back. I pray this is the year they come back. Anyway, so I'm on a ministry road trip. And there's, I don't know, half a dozen of us or so. We're in a van, and we are driving to Columbus via Cincinnati. And um, to go from Cincinnati to Columbus, it's not too hard. It's a pretty straight shot. There's a highway. I think it's 71. Uh, You get on 71, about an hour and a half. And we're approaching Cincinnati, kind of settling in for like, okay, the last leg of the trip. And uh, we've, got, we've got the directions, they're pulled up on our phone, you know, we're, do, we're doing that thing. And um, as we approach Cincinnati, we have to take one of those highways that sort of like rings its way around the city. You know what I'm talking about? I think this was 275. And we, we're approaching the turnoff onto 275, and it's one of those situations where on the road signs, there's like eight highways on every road sign. You know, it's like 275 and 42 and 87 and 54, and you know, so never having driven through this before, it's, it's like, oh my goodness, there's a lot to figure out. And the directions on the phone are like not saying the obvious highway. You know how sometimes that happens? It's like, I want to get on 275, but it's telling me to take, you know, State Highway 41. So we're like approaching this. We're like, what's the highway? And we're panicking. And, um, and we, we navigate the interchange. And it turns out we thought we did it right, but we actually did it wrong. And to save battery, we disconnect the, uh, the, the phone GPS as soon as we navigate the interchange. And so we settle back in, and we're, you know, getting comfortable, and we're enjoying it. Everything is going fine. And then, like, 20, 30 minutes later, someone goes, hey, why does that sign say, welcome to Kentucky? <laughs> that, that's not right. We're, we were in Ohio. We're supposed to go to somewhere in Ohio. We shouldn't be going to Kentucky. And so we frantically get the phone back out and plug the things back in. And lo and behold, we had, we had turned the wrong way. And to, to you know, get the, the situation righted, we wound up driving uh, between an hour and an hour and a half extra before we finally got to Columbus. And when we got there, we were frustrated. We were exasperated because even though we had, we literally had the directions in our pockets, we still managed to mess it up. Have you ever had something like that? Maybe it's not a navigational direction. Maybe it's a recipe you're trying to follow and you, you mess the recipe up. Maybe it's a business plan you're trying to, to work out and, and, and you, it doesn't work. It is frustrating, especially when we're supposed to have the directions, but we don't follow them accurately. And that results in spinning our wheels and wasting our time, doesn't it? Well, unfortunately, I know that for myself, and I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one, it can feel like that with our faith sometimes as well. 
it can feel like, well, hold on, I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to know how to navigate the journey of my faith, but sometimes we hit a point where it feels like, wait, my, my faith is sending me to Kentucky and I'm supposed to go to Columbus. <laughs> I, I'm supposed to be able to get something from my faith here that I'm not getting. I'm spending time with God and it just feels like I'm talking to the ceiling. I want the best of me to be coming out to my friends and family and what is coming out is definitely not the best. It's in those times when we're spinning our wheels with our faith that I want to suggest, you know, there's two ways to interpret that. The first could be that like this faith thing isn't really that big of a deal. Like, oh, it's not actually good. I doubt that's what's happening here. I don't think that like the God of the universe like doesn't know how to navigate certain problems. <laughs> so it's probably not that. What's probably happening is that I don't have the complete set of directions. I don't have what I need to make my way to Columbus. And so even though the GPS would send me on exactly the right way, I'm not aware of what the GPS is telling me. And I wind up spinning my wheels. Our faith can be like that sometimes. Last week, Mike and Julie kicked us off and said, guys, here is where we are heading for the year. We are heading to everyday encounters. That's who we are. We're people of everyday encounter. To experience them every day, to extend them every day. And that's beautiful. That's exciting. I'm excited about that. But my first question then is, okay, so what's the roadmap? How do we get to that place? And that's what we're going to be unpacking today and really for this whole series called Naturally Supernatural Disciples. We're, we're exploring what everyday encounters look like for everyday disciples. What is the road to get there? And what we're going to articulate today, what we're going to explore today is I'm going to give the overview, the top level picture, the big map. That's why I've got a screen here so I can lay out a map for us, right? I'm going to give us the road map to our faith, the complete road map. So that when we hit places where we go, oh, I, I'm not sure I know how to navigate this, we know how to not head to Kentucky, <laughs> but keep our way heading to the Columbus of everyday encounters, as it were. So <laughs> with that, let's pray. Jesus, you are, you are so good. We just love you. And I thank you that um, you have given us everything we need for life and godliness. I thank you that we know um, the lack is not in you and is not in the gospel and it's not in what our faith can provide, Lord. I thank you that we can have what we need for all the situations in our life. And so, Jesus, I just ask that you would come today as the teacher and that you would open that up to us, Lord. I ask that by the end of our time today, Lord, we would see like, oh, this is, it. This is what I need for my faith. This is the complete picture. I get it. Now I get to grow into living it out. And so we just invite you to come, Lord. Open your word to us. Open the eyes of our heart. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, so our journey today is going to start with a simple observation, and that's this. Christianity, our faith, is relational first, as opposed to intellectual or doctrinal. And what I mean by that is this. Let's hypothesize that you could only have knowing God relationally or knowing about God intellectually. If you could only have one of those two, knowing God relationally is the one you want to pick. 
Now, that's not to say there's not value in knowing about God. Of course there is. That's wonderful. I mean, like, we're going to talk a lot about God for the next 20-ish minutes, right? So there's value to knowing about God. But the first value is actually knowing and walking with God relationally. And I'm sure many of us have, um, you know, an example we can think of of someone who has, like, all kinds of wonderful knowledge about God. They can tell us exactly what the Bible says. They can tell us all of these kinds of things, but they don't actually know and walk with God relationally. And my guess would be if you interact with that person, you probably walk away thinking, hmm, kind of feels like for all their knowledge, he or she isn't really benefiting a whole lot. They don't seem like Jesus. (laughs) Walking with God, knowing God, relationship with God is the primary, the foundational thing. Maybe I'll put it that way. Paul talks about this in um, Galatians 4, where he's writing to a bunch of newly saved Gentiles. So they haven't been saved all that long. Galatians is actually the first letter written in the New Testament. So this is some of the first writing to some of the first Christians. And what he says is he says this, Galatians 4, 8 and 9, Formerly, when you did not know God... You were enslaved to those that by nature are not gods. What's he saying? He's saying, guys, remember there was a time before you were following Jesus when you were following something else. That's what he's saying. He says this, but now that you have come to know God or rather be known by God. Now look at the contrast he sets up. He could say this. You used to follow things that weren't the one true God but then you realize they were false. He doesn't give an intellectual transition. He doesn't say you realized your deception. He says, now you've come to know God and be known by God. That's actually the transition. It's a relational transition. And it is indeed our relationship with God that is the bridge that all of the good things of our faith and of the gospel flow into our lives. That's that's the way that they come into our lives is through the bridge of that relationship. And so what that means is the question, what does it mean to know God, is a critical question for our lives. What does it mean to know God? This is the core of our faith. And it turns out that once you ask that question, you run smack into something that's pretty complicated. Because it turns out that this God that we know is kind of hard to wrap our head around sometimes. I suppose we probably ought to expect that. I mean, he's the God of all of this. We are limited and mortal and finite, and so are our minds, and he is not. And so it's probably sensible that God can be a little bit confusing to us. Now, the way that God is typically articulated, the way we answer the question, who is this God that we know, is referred to by a doctrine that's called the Trinity, now, I'm not going to get way into the, the nuts and bolts of the Trinity as a doctrine. I know some of you just like, you got anxious as soon as I pulled that word out. You're like, oh no, this is going to be terrible. No, it's going to be okay. Just relax. All right, we're not going there. Okay, but we, we are going to take just one nugget and move forward. Parenthetically, if you do have questions, we're planning to do a Facebook Live this week where we can get into the weeds of all the theology if you're into, into that kind of thing. Stay tuned on the Facebook page or whatever. But 
it turns out that the Trinity tells us that the best way to describe God is that God is three in one. He is triune. Three, tri, one, un, unity. And he is a trinity, triunity. God is simultaneously both kinda three and kinda one, is what it tells us. Now, the kinda three part works like this. God exists as three separate and distinct persons that we call Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, the important thing here is this. These are not one God dressing up as three different uh, uh, appearances. It's not like God says, I'm going to put on my Jesus mask today, and he shows up as Jesus. And then he steps back and says, actually, I want to wear the Holy Spirit outfit today, and he dresses up as the Holy Spirit. He is, there are actually distinct and different persons. And that means, for example, when Jesus prays to the Father, something meaningful is happening there. It's not just God talking to himself, okay? So we have three distinct persons called Father, Son, who the incarnation of the Son is the man, Jesus Christ. So we use those a little um, uh, interchangeably sometimes. And then the Spirit or the Holy Spirit sometimes. So he is three persons, and yet, in a hard-to-understand way, these three persons are one God. They all share one godness. And this is what's interesting and strange, because, you know, if we, if we put three of us, we would be three separate persons, and if we got promoted to the job of God, we would be three separate gods, but that's not how it works with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are not three separate gods. They are collectively one God that they all experience and they all share in an interesting and hard to understand way. And you can go, how does that work? And then we can tell you all kinds of analogies and whatever. And that's where we get lost in the weeds. And that's not where we're going to go today, okay? We're just going to take as a given that confusing as that is, that is who God is. Now, um, I like to use pictures, and we're going to use pictures for much of our talk today here. And so there's an image that I find really helpful that helps um, explain how this works. Oh, no. We tried it, and the Prezi was working beautifully before, and now it's not working. Can you signal the next? Oh, bleh. <laughs> okay, I give up. You guys can signal it. We'll work together, okay? Here's the image, and you can see it on the back screen here. Here, um, This is called the shield of the Trinity. Interestingly, because like in the Middle Ages, they used to actually put this on shields, right? So you can see it's kind of a shield shape, more or less. And here's what it tells us. It just, it just visually captures what I told you. We have on the outside the three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. And in the middle, you can see there's God. And the connecting lines in the middle say this. The Father is God, the Son is God, and the Spirit is God. And similarly, God is the Father, God is the Son, God is the Spirit. And yet, on the outside, we have lines between them that say, at the same time, the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, and the Spirit is not the Father, and vice versa all the way around. So, confusing? Yes, it's confusing. But this is, nevertheless, who God is. And what that means is this, you know, like... This can be an interesting philosophical dilemma that, you know, the professors in some ivory tower can argue, and that's all well and good. But what that means for all of us is this. If Christianity is first relational, then this matters because that's the God we have relationship with. 
We could ask this question, what does it mean to have relationship with God? And the answer it is, it means to have relationship with this three-in-one trinity thing. And so because of that, this is actually deeply important for us. We have, if we have a three-in-one God, then we have a three-in-one relationship with him. And it is navigating that three-in-one relationship that is the roadmap for our faith. Where we get stuck, where we go off in the weeds, is when we don't know how to navigate the three-in-one relationship. And what most people do is they just collapse it and they say, well, I have one relationship with God. I don't know all that three-in-one nonsense. That's hard. That's confusing. I don't know who to pray to. So I just know God and I'm good to go. Okay. I'll see you in Kentucky sometime. (laughs) No, it would be nice, but that's not how it works. Instead, we have to navigate a three-in-oneness with our relationship with God. Now, how does that work? Well, just a brief foray at the oneness. So can we click forward one? So there is a structure that we're gonna, we're gonna talk through here. And what I've done is I've taken that middle thing and I've kind of layered it in layers like an onion so we can talk through it. It turns out that knowing this three-in-one God means we have in some way, three relationships with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but yet there's only one gospel, one way to know God, and one redemptive thing that he is doing in the world. And it turns out the one redemptive thing can basically be articulated this way. It basically follows a parallel structure, and we'll see it as we work our way through. It starts with the fact that God has a design, he has a plan, This world's not random. It's not accidental. God made it to be a certain way. And we can see that in the very beginning in the garden. But that plan gets interfered with by this thing called the fall. Sin enters the world and Satan messes everything up and all of that. And so we lose the original design. And so we have thousands of years in the Bible where the the lack of the original design is on clear display until Jesus shows up. And when Jesus shows up, we see in him that original design on display again. Why? Because Jesus is actually a whole new beginning to all of creation. He comes as a sort of reset on creation itself. And so we see in him that he lives that original design. And then in his atonement, which is a fancy theological word meaning his death, his resurrection, and his going back up to heaven afterwards. In his atonement, he kicks open the door for you and I to step back into that original design and to have what he had. And the way we live that out is in a relational walk with the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so we have kind of a theological trajectory that is established by the Bible, but that theological trajectory is a relational invitation. It's not meant to just be something we know. It's supposed to say, oh, and I continue along that trajectory, and the way I do that is by walking in relationship with the Father, with the Son, and with the Holy Spirit. So let's look at how these relationships with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit play out. Now, sometimes we label them with some words that you may have heard uh, if you've been around here. We use words of relationship, identity, and destiny a lot. And the reason we do that is those are kind of handles 
for understanding the three journeys that we have, a journey with the Father, and a journey with the Son, and a journey with the Holy Spirit. And so let's look at the first journey, the relationship journey. And the Prezi will click ahead brilliantly. Oh, it will go too far, and then it will walk back. <laughs> oh, these aren't the droids you're looking for. <laughs> I'm really good at this, guys. I'm really good at this. Welcome to 2021. <clears throat> okay, our relationship journey. How does that work? Okay, here's, here's, in, in a brief nutshell, here's how it works. The original design is intimacy with God. This is what we see Adam and Eve have in the garden. Like God literally shows up for a daily walk, right? Oh, four o'clock, time for the walk with God in the garden, right? That's their relationship. But that gets, that gets hijacked by the fall, and that connection gets replaced by distance and estrangement. God sends Adam and Eve away from the garden. And indeed, since that, pretty much every human being has been born with an innate sense that I have been sent away from God. There are, ever ever asked that question? Why is it that no unbelievers are like, God likes me? It's because we actually all know that this happened. It's wired into us. But Jesus shows up, and he has that intimacy and connection. He knows God as the Father. So he's like, hey, Pops and I were talking the other day. We had our daily walk, you know? And everyone's like, ah, I can't handle that. Well, it's because nobody since Adam and Eve has experienced that before. And in his death and in his resurrection, what Jesus does is he pours out his own blood for the forgiveness of our sins, and he establishes a new covenant. That's a relational word between us and God. In other words, said another way, he clears any obstacles between relationship and he DTRs the relationship so that God always likes us. That's what, that's what that means. We have a new covenant of grace, which means favor, which means I like you. So if you ever ask God the question, do you like me? Before you even finish the question, he's like, yes. But hold on. Yes. But did you? Yes. But uh, hang on, yes. <laughs> you are locked into that. You actually don't have the power to change it. You cannot turn God's favor off towards you. You're not big enough. You actually weren't big enough to get it in the first place, and you're not big enough to lose it now that Jesus made it for you. And so that invites us into a relational trajectory with the Father where we actually experience the same kind of knowing God as Father as Jesus did. And this ministers to us in the area of all the needs we have as human beings to belong, to have a home, to be safe, to fit you ever find yourself trying to get those in an unhealthy way? You ever try to get belonging from, I don't know, your workplace? A sense of safety from the evening news? Any of these kinds of things where we can try and get them from the world, that's because we're not living out the directions. We're headed to Kentucky in that moment. And those things, the need to be safe, the need to belong, the need to have home. Guys, we're supposed to have that. You're made for that. But the trick is, that can be got through God. That's what Jesus allows us to have. So this is what the relationship trajectory, the relationship journey looks like. 
The second journey, the identity journey, which will be clicked forward in some way, shape, or form here. The identity journey actually meets our self-understanding needs. So along with needs that we have to, to belong to have, and, to, and to feel safe and to have a home and all of that, we also have needs to understand ourselves. We need to be able to look at ourselves and see that we have value, that, that we like inherently are good and should believe in ourselves. And if we don't have that, guess what? You're going to start looking for that from somewhere. You're going to start looking from that in relationships around you. You're going to need a significant other to approve you for you to like yourself. You're going to need a positive job review for you to feel like you have value. You're going to need the people as you drive down the road to not cut you off for you to not lose your cool, right? All of these are self-understanding needs. And these get met through an identity journey that we take with Jesus the Son. And the biblical trajectory starts with this. We, we were made to have the image and likeness of God. We were made to actually literally look at ourselves and go, I am a picture of what God is to the world. That is what we were made to be able to do. And until we can do that, we are looking at ourselves and saying, I am not what I am supposed to be. No wonder you're going to have identity issues. Right? So we were made to have that, but that gets messed up by the fall because sin starts messing around inside of us. Sin gets in us, and then sin starts leaking through us instead of God leaking through us. And so we see thousands of years of that in the Old Testament until Jesus shows up. And as he shows up, he goes, hey, guys, I'm the visible image of the invisible father. <laughs> if you've seen me, you've seen God. This is, what, this is what he's like. What is he saying? Yes, he is helping us see what God is like, but he's doing that as an image bearer, as a human being that has the image of God. And so in his death and his resurrection, he says, guys, why don't you, why don't you join me by faith and I will be crucified with you. I'll be buried with you and you will be born again as I am resurrected as an imager. You were born the first time, not as an imager. But you get born the second time as an imager, which means we can look at ourselves and see that Jesus Christ has moved inside of us, and that means something about our own humanity and our own value. If we're like, man, I don't know that I'm valuable, and we talk to Jesus the Son, he'll be like, well, humanity is the only home I have, so I think you're special. But God, am I good enough? Well, I wouldn't have died if I didn't think you were. But God, how do I believe in myself? Well, I believed in you enough to move in, so how about you believe in me believing in you? And what happens is an identity begins to get formed inside of us. This is the relational journey of living this out. Last journey we call the destiny journey sometimes. And the destiny journey meets our human needs of significance and purpose. You know, our lives are not supposed to feel like, is there any real point to me being here? Yeah. That's not that, like, if you're wrestling with that question, then there's a destiny journey that's actually an answer to that. You're not supposed to have that kind of existential, like, does it even matter that I'm here? The, the answer would be, well, if you're partnering with God, yes, it deeply matters. Because the original design, God made humanity to have 
dominion, a.k.a. he said, guys, I'll be in charge up here, you be in charge down there. It's hard to imagine a more important job than running the planet. If you can find one, I'd love to hear it, okay? That was the original design. Of course, we're supposed to do it in partnership with him, but this is how God made it to be. But it, like all these stories, gets hijacked. It's hijacked by Satan, who, said, who swipes the keys, and he starts beating up the planet. He starts being the ruler of this world, as Jesus says, and he infects this world with death and with disease and with sickness and with poverty and with prejudice and all of these other things. He is using his power to beat up on the world until Jesus shows up. And Jesus goes, you want to fight? Let's fight. I'm the stronger man. I'm taking back your stuff. And he binds him up and he starts destroying the works of the devil. How? By healing the sick, by raising the dead, by preaching good news to the poor. This is by driving out demons and so on and so forth. He is coming against the authority of Satan and demonstrating that he's the one who has authority here. And in his death and in his resurrection, he remember, he comes back up and he goes, hey guys, all authority has now been given to me. So now you go as agents of my authority, the highest authority. Oh, the one higher than Satan had. So I'm going to pour out my Holy Spirit to empower you to continue destroying the works of the devil and take my planet back. And so as we relationally walk with the Holy Spirit, tuned in, Holy Spirit, what are you doing right now? What are you saying right now? How can I obey what you're doing in this moment? As we relationally walk with the Holy Spirit, we are literally partnering with God to take the earth back. And if you, you experience that and process it that way, I promise you, you have no problem feeling like your life is significant. I'm working with my dad to take this planet back. Oh, you're just bored watching Netflix? Let me show you what destiny looks like. Okay? You will not have a problem with that. But the thing is, is that all three of these journeys, they meant to click together and to interlock. Could we go forward one here? If we, wherever we are missing one of these journeys, that becomes the ceiling for our experience of faith. I know this. Why do I know this? Because when I came to this church, I came not as a vineyardite, as a Baptist, okay? And God bless the Baptists. I love them, okay? I'm not, that's not a knock against them. But as a Baptist, I knew Jesus pretty good. I kind of knew the Father. We got, a, we got a Baptist over here, don't we? Come on. All right. Mm, okay? That's what I'm talking about, okay? I kind of knew the Father, but the Holy Spirit, I didn't know him at all. Amen, right? You know what I'm talking about, okay? I didn't know him at all. So I show up in this charismatic church, and I'm like, what are these weird people doing? They're pulling their hands out of their pockets in worship. They're inviting people to come up at the end saying people might get healed. These people are nuts. And surprise, surprise, I also felt like my faith didn't really make any difference in the world. And it actually didn't make any difference in the world, probably, Right? So I had a lack in one of these journeys, and that was the ceiling that I hit with my faith. When I needed the things that this journey is supposed to provide for my faith, I headed to Kentucky instead of Columbus. 
If you want the whole roadmap, you need all three of these adventures, as it were. And if you do, if you'll take all three of the adventures, you'll have everything you need. Now, just one quick thing. Can we click forward one more time? This is just a language thing. But sometimes we use these words, belong and be and do. They basically line up. The relationship journey is learning to belong. The identity journey is learning to be. The destiny journey is learning to do. So I want to put that language out there so we don't miss that. But the overall point is this. Guys, if we want everyday encounters, I want everyday encounters. If we want the strength we need from our faith... Let's just take this week, okay? Anybody else spin their wheels a little bit this week? Anybody else wrestle with fear, with anxiety, with uncertainty? I know I did. You know what happens? Here's what happens. The events of our nation clash with a journey that we have that's meant to provide safety and security and belonging. And if the events of our nation are bigger then this journey is, you know what's going to happen? You're going to go, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm safe. I don't know if I'm going to be okay. What's going to happen to our country? And you'll start either losing sleep at night or you'll go online and start social media warring. (laughs) Not the answer. Neither is the answer. You know what's the answer? Grow here. Because then it'll be like, oh my gosh, God, this this is frightening. But God's like, it's okay. I'm in charge and I'm for you. I'm in charge and I'm for you. You're going to be okay. That doesn't take the home that I've created for you away from you. And then we look at those events and we go, oh man, that's a shame. I wish it wasn't like that. But it doesn't strike us to our core because our core has been taken by the Father in this journey instead. If we want everyday encounters, then we need every kind of encounter. We need belonging encounters. We need being encounters. We need doing encounters. We need that journey with the Father, that journey with that Son, and the journey with the Holy Spirit. And so here's what I want to do. I know, goodness, I'm, I'm just, I'll apologize right now because I'm a little over. But at least we don't have kingdom kids, right? <laughs> I know, but it's on me. I'm sorry. You know? so, but as we head to worship here, okay, here, I, I just want to provide a chance for us to give a yes back to the invitation that this prompts for us. Because here's the thing, right? These journeys are something we have to say yes to and invest in. Relationships are built by investment. And so here's what I just want to do. We're going to go through each journey, and this will be simple, but let's, let's start with that relationship journey. If, if in your heart right now, one of two things is true, either first, you're like, man, I want, like your heart is just pricked. I want more of knowing God as Father. I want to take that relationship journey. I want this year to be part of pushing that forward in my life. If you're there, or maybe you're the opposite. Maybe you're seeing the lack. Maybe you're seeing, man, I am just like, I'm just clinging to other people, needing them to to make me feel safe, needing them to make me feel okay. If one of those two is true and you, are, you want to say, God, I would really like to move forward in that relationship journey, would you just stand right now? And, and, and by the way, like, you know, sometimes I know we like do ministry calls and it feels like awkward and everyone's like, oh, who's going to stand? And we're all going to judge them a little bit. 
I would suggest if you're going to judge anybody, don't judge the person who's asking more of God. You should be judging the other people, if anything. <laughs> don't do that either. Okay. Second journey. Stay standing. Stay standing. Second journey. Okay. If you, your heart is pricked for the identity journey, you want to know Jesus living in you towards the world, what it means to bear his image, or you're seeing right in front of you the fact that you, you don't have a value and a way to see yourself that's healthy. You need to find it instead of already having it. If either of those is you and you, and you want to say, God, I want, I want motion in that this year, would you go ahead and stand up? As a, as a yes, that, that choice of saying, yes, I want this is so important. You could probably guess the trajectory here. Third, third journey, okay, the destiny journey. Either you're like, I want to see more empowering of the Holy Spirit. I want, I, want, I want to see him do more kingdom work through me. Or you're feeling that limit of like, man, what's the point? Why is, why, why, why is my life even here? What does it matter? Either of those, would you just go ahead and stand? Go ahead and stand. So good. Just put your hands out right now. Let's just pray. God, I thank you right now for your people who are saying, God, I want more. You've invited me into these journeys. I want to say yes, and I want to ask you to, to pour into these journeys. And so right now, Lord, I just bless the journey of relationship with the Father. I bless, Lord, that each and every person who is standing asking for that right now would begin a, a, a season of belonging encounters. God, where they would know that you have made a, a home for them, God, where they are safe, where they belong, where they fit, God. Make that clear. And I ask for encounter after encounter after encounter, starting today, but continuing forward in a way that powerfully forms that, God, in their lives, in an everyday kind of way. God, I bless right now the people who are standing saying, I want to take the identity journey. I want to know what it is that Christ lives in me. Jesus, would you stand up inside of them right now in a fresh way? And would you begin to demonstrate that you are living in there, God, everyday being encounters. And in that, Lord, help them see themselves through your story of who they are. And Father, right now, we're standing for, for destiny encounters. I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you fall upon us and fill us, Lord, even right now. Fill us up with your spirit, God. Fill us up with your power that we may um, extend your uh, kingdom in our world. And in that, God, join the most significant expedition that's ever happened. Lord, I'm asking for doing encounters, empowering encounters today and moving forward. God, form these things in our lives. We want every bit. You've given every bit of yourself to us. God, we say we want every bit of you. We say yes to that. Encounter us every day. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the message today. To experience more powerful messages, go to vineyardlive.us or join our Vineyard Live Plus community to view conferences, trainings, and special teachings.